I remember my first year of, uh, of, of Bible school, and I remember I, I wanted to come home to uh, Florida, and I wanted to internship, because there was, there was some interns that you could do, and um, I, I wanted to be able to give back a little bit to um, a, a church that had really been important to me. And I mean, I, I didn't, um, like, I wasn't always the greatest kid when I was going to it, and I understood that. I might have grown a lot and God had been doing a lot in my life. And, and I remember talking to the, the pastor there and I asked him, I know you take a lot of interns. I know you take a lot of people and you work with them and you grow them. I was wondering if, if I could be one of those people. And I remember in that one moment thinking that I had grown and thinking that, you know, I had, I had, I had, I had matured in my faith and I thinking about all those things. And I remember asking him and saying, can I be one of your interns to learn? And he, he said to me, um, you're not ready. And I didn't really understand what that meant. I was like, what do you mean I'm not ready? What does ready mean? How do I know when I'm ready? So I'd look back and I would see all the things that I did and the things that I was accomplishing and, and, maybe, and maybe some of the wake that is left because of just going through life. But he said, you're not ready. And I remember thinking to myself, what is... What does it look like to be ready in my faith? You know, what does it look like to be, um, to, you know, to be strong enough, to be, to be old enough? Or, you know, what does it look like? And as we've been kind of working through this series, um, just this one concept has been coming to my mind. What is the measuring stick for our faith? I mean, how do you know that you're growing in your faith? I mean, when, when, when you think of it, we know it, it's easy to know if we're a Christian, because there's a, there's a yes or no answer to that. Have you actually, has there been a place in your life where you have recognized your sin, repented of your sin, and turned to God for forgiveness and eternal life? I mean, that's easy. That's a yes or no question. That, that there's no gray area there. You either have or you haven't. So that, that measuring stick is pretty simple. I knew that I had done that. But the big question for me is not so much, am I a Christian? But am I growing and being shaped by the truths of Jesus? So I started asking myself the question and asking, you know, kind of really the question to us is, how do we know we're moving forward towards a full life in Christ? That's really what we're saying here is, you know, forward cities. We want to help you move forward towards a full life in Christ. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Am I actually moving forward? And how do I know I'm moving forward? Like, how do I know when I get to God and I get to heaven and so he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. How do I know? And it's a super important question because, because as Christians, as, as followers of Christ, we know that we're intended to grow. I, I love what it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, and now, just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. It says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. And see, as you've probably been reading over the course of the last little bit, because we've been challenging you to read the book of James, as you've been reading the book of James, if you have any kind of context with the Bible, you know that we, there's something different about the, book, the, the, the letter of James than, than Paul's letters. 
Because when you read Paul's letters, Paul was writing to a specific place. He was writing to a specific group of people with some specific issues that they were facing. And, and, and James is a little different. James isn't writing to a specific group of people. The Bible says at the very beginning of James, he says, you know, James, the servant of God, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. He's writing to groups of people. He's writing to regular Christians all around the world. Not about specific problems, but about, about general issues that we as followers of Christ struggle with. And, and when he writes it, and as you've seen it, he's not writing a lot of theology. He's not writing, you know, deep, deep truths. What he's doing is he's getting in your grill about your character. He's getting into our face. And this is why we call it the face palm letter, because it's like, it's like when you read it, it's like, oh, it's like he's speaking right to you. Have you ever had that? I was like, man, it's like, man, is he talking to me? And the answer is yes. He was, he was writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, the, the tribes of Israel, as they, as they went out, followers of Christ as they went out. But really, it's, it's kind of to this general issues of life that we're facing, and those general issues are our character. Um, and he writes in this deep style, and he's writing into our deep character. And it's interesting, as he does this, we can see correlations of James, and we see that he's taking the teachings of Jesus Christ, namely the Sermon on the Mount. He's taking Proverbs, and he's kind of putting that together in a context to help us to understand, as followers of Christ, this is how God wants to shape us. And this is why a lot of times we have that love-hate relationship with the book of James. Because it's a pressure point. See, it's interesting. James isn't, um, he's not presenting uh, this letter as a picture for you to look at someone else and their faith and their walk with God. So you can actually point out issues and point out things. The letter of James is more written like a mirror. So that we can look at it and really see deeply into our own lives. And look deeply into our own character. Because if you read James the way that it's supposed to be written, as you read it, you come to understand that that there's a lot of the good and the bad and the ugly when you look into it. And so this wasn't supposed to be a condemning thing. But just recognizing as As followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit wants to get into your life and work on you. And it's interesting, uh, the main point is you kind of, kind of figure it all out. I believe that, that James gives us a bit of a measuring stick for our life. And and, and really to answer that question, how do I know or or, or where am I supposed to go in my faith? And he says it, and and it's found in in, in James chapter 1 verse 4. And just kind of as we unpack that particular first couple verses, James, the servant of God, a servant of God to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, he says, greetings. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And he goes on and says, and perseverance must finish its work so that you can be, and here's the point, so that you can be, all of this needs to take place, so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, there's the crux, there's the thing. This is the movement of God, this is the measuring stick, this is where God wants us to go, is that God wants us to not just stay children in him, God wants us to grow to maturity. 
And when we see that word maturity in, in, in the Greek, I mean, I know we don't all understand Greek, but the, weird, the word Greek, it's, 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 it's in the Greek as it was written, is teleos, and it's derived from this word teleos, and it really means the end or the limit or the fulfillment. It has the idea of wholeness. It, 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 it means that the goal or the fulfillment of all this teaching is to help you and me have our lives integrated fully and completely to the walk of, in, in, in the work of Jesus Christ. That our lives aren't fractured in our faith, but that we live wholly consistent to the values and teaching of Jesus. And this is super important because you and I, I mean, if we really stop and look at it and we really stop and analyze our faith, look in the mirror, we live fractured lives. I mean, I don't know about you, and maybe I'm projecting, but I know in my own life, I live an inconsistent life at times. And I know some of you struggle, and I know some of we, we, we work this. It's not that we're trying to do it on purpose sometimes, but some of, us, some, of us, some of you live hypocritical lives. You know, you say one thing, but you act another way intentionally. I know we struggle, and I know we have hard times, and I know it's difficult, but we live fractured lives and some of us just live stunted lives you know there was parts we were you know we were kind of maturing and then we've just kind of hit a plateau and we just haven't gone that next level up and so when james is writing here he's writing in this idea that the goal or the movement is for us to find wholeness rather than fractured lives rather than parts of our lives connected in, in, in connected to christ likeness but other parts of our character, not Christ-like. And what he's doing is he's juxtaposing these two things, Christ-like and world-like. And we often just try to collide those together into one. And what he's saying here is, no, I want to I push that away so that your life is fully and wholly Christ-like. So it's not perfect in the sense that you've reached perfection. Paul says that, you know, not that I've already been made perfect, complete but I move towards that completeness. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, kind of hitting on this idea, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I, could talk, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. So I had to talk to you, so I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. So he goes on, even, even Paul is speaking to a group of people who should have known better, but they were living this dichotomy where they could actually kind of walk with God and also do this. They were living fractured lives and they were embracing the fracture. Where Paul is saying, no, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Because of this, I can't, I can't lead you, I can't teach you where you're supposed to go because I gotta go right back to the beginning with you. You shouldn't be here anymore. You shouldn't be here anymore. See, God's mission is to make fractured people whole. And as we read through the book of James, it's understanding trials and it's working through favoritism, it's working through prayer, it's working through all of these kind of areas of our character. And all of that is intended for us to live out so we can, full, we can, we, we can find this wholeness in Christ through our Christ-like, through Christ-like character. And see, I was, I was just kind of reading through this and, and, and praying through this. Um, 
I think as Christians, we, we, we universally agree that that's the movement of God is to move towards maturity. But I think that we struggle with what's the measuring stick or what, how, how do we grow? How do we know we've grown? I have a confession to make. And I know maybe you have wondered this, but um, I have gray hair. You laugh, but, and, and the other thing too is maybe the other confession, I don't dye it gray. This is natural. And I've had it since I was about 23 years old. And I remember someone saying to me, well, Mark, that means you're mature. That wasn't funny, actually. I don't know why someone laughed at that. I don't know why that was supposed to be funny. That was supposed to be just a statement. Um, but no, really, like, it, I, I'm not. We would say, you know, gray hair. I mean, I know in the Bible, in, in Proverbs, it says, you know, gray hair is a mark of, you know, it, it's maturity. I get it. But what he's saying is that, you know, age and experience. My gray hair does not mean that I'm smarter than anyone. It does not mean I'm wiser than anyone. My gray hair, this helmet that I wear, it is not an indication of my maturity. If you ask my wife, she says often, I don't understand why she understands, I don't know why she says this, but there has been times that she has said that she has three children, two daughters and a son. People say, oh, you should try it for a son. She goes, I have one and that's him. But I have gray hair. I should be wise, right? So that's not obviously, it's not a marker of maturity. It's not a marker of the fact that, that I have reached some level and I've grown up. And see, here's the thing. When it comes to our faith, your time as a Christian isn't a measure of your maturity either. And this is where the struggle comes in for us. You know, some of you have, have walked with Christ for a very, very long time. But let me, just kind of, let me just kind of help you understand something here. Just because you've been a follower of Christ for a really, really long time doesn't mean you're mature. And, and I know this is stepping on some toes because, again, I'm going to get to where the struggle is with me in a moment. And probably the same thing with you. That, 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 that just, you know, just because you're better than another Christian doesn't mean that you're mature. Just because you do things different than someone else who claims Christ, it doesn't make us mature. That's not the measuring stick. The measuring stick isn't how often you go to church or how often you come to Forward City or how often you watch online or how many podcasts you listen to. The mark of maturity is not how many good things you do or how much you're serving the community. The, the mark of maturity is not that you're in a life group. The mark of maturity isn't even how much you know. And this one actually steps on some toes. Like our knowledge is not necessarily a mark of maturity. It's not how much theology or apologetics or verses we've memorized. You know, it's wonderful that, that, that people understand and know what they believe. But knowledge in itself is not a mark of maturity. I think a lot of us, and, and me included, just assumed that, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. You know, I went to Bible school. I did all, I, I, and I do these things. And so that must mean that I'm mature. Now, I'm not saying that's not part of it, but I, I think in a lot of ways that we can sit back if we're not careful. I do this, this, this. Now you've got this checklist. And we have this checklist and we say, God, when we get to God in heaven, we're like, hey, look what I've done. I reached what you wanted me to do. 
And it's interesting. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 7. He says that you, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. See, I mean, there's actions involved in this. We've seen through the book of James. So just knowing is not, is not what's important. It's knowing and actually doing the things that God has called us to do. See, the idea here is that maturity comes. If we want to know how do we mature in Christ, this is where it comes from. Maturity comes when we obey God over time. It says, consider pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Knowing that the testing of your faith, knowing that God working through all of these things in your character and your life develops perseverance, endurance. That endurance must finish its work so that you can be mature. That all of the stuff that God is doing in your life, as you continue to live in obedience to him, as, you, as your life and your, 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 you, you push away from the world and you push towards Christ and you become Christ-like and you do that over time through obedience. Maturity happens. So maturity is linked more in your obedience than the things that you know. The time that you spend here. How long you've been a Christian. And it's interesting as you read through the book of James, he's like faithful obedience through trials you know, continuing to be obedient when you don't want to. Continue to be obedient when it's hard. Continue to be obedient when it's easy. Continue to be obedient when no one else is doing it. Continue being obedient when it's inconvenient. See, not everyone who grows older grows in maturity in their faith. Your 10 or 20 years of salvation Bible reading doesn't guarantee that you're mature in your faith. A writer, I didn't know who it was, it was, was quoted to me, but um, most Christians are educated three to five years beyond their obedience. Another person said something similar, that, 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 that most Christians are about 3,000 verses overweight. The idea here is that we know a lot, but we've not obeyed a lot. And the Bible goes on and can tell us, it reminds us that, that you'll know a tree by its fruit. You'll know, you will know a tree by its obedience. You'll know a person by their obedience. In John 15, it says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, and in verse 8, he says, When you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. And this brings glory to God. And I love how he uses the word and he uses the word picture of fruit because I get it. I get the idea there and we, we can understand it. That, that fruit, you know a tree by its fruit. You, you look at it and go, it's an orange tree or it's this tree. You know what it is by what it produces. And he says that you'll know a tree by its fruit so it gives glory to God. So say, this is what it is. But it's interesting when you look at fruit and, and I think this is what the writer is getting to here. That fruit... Fruit has a couple of other purposes. See, fruit is not meant for the nourishment of the tree. The fruit provides seeds. That when those seeds are taken and those seeds are planted, more trees can produce fruit. It's, it's also something that is not just to produce other seeds and other trees that produce other fruit. 
it also nourishes the ones who take it. I know that's pretty simplistic. But as we're kind of working through this, it helps us to understand that when you faithfully obey God, you produce the fruit of character of Christ-likeness in your life. And that's intended to be lived out in obedience as you give the seeds of the gospel out. See, a lot of us are bearing fruit of obedience, but it's just staying inward. If it's true obedience, it's going to have evidence of planting other trees. See, the fruit that God gives you, that fruit of obedience that God gives you, all that character, all that growth, all the stuff we're reading about in James, that God wants to use, that God intends to use that growth, that fruit, to plant other trees. To spread the seed of the gospel in the life of someone so they can know the peace and the love and the joy and the forgiveness of God. And not only that, but, 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 but the actual fruit of what God is doing in you is not just meant for you. It's meant to nourish and encourage and teach and grow someone else. See, the reality is when we look at this, the, the, the growth in Christ-like character isn't just meant for you. It isn't just meant for me. Just like a tree produces fruit, it's not meant to stay on the branches. So as we're working through this, um, I, I believe that when we start talking about maturity or am I growing in Christ, I believe one of the markers of whether or not we're actually growing and maturing in Christ is when we take a look behind us. Over the last five months, um, I've been studying and learning about this. And I know this, but I'm just learning it again. It's like God is just kind of like hammering it into my heart and my soul. And over the last uh, five or six months or whatever, God has been revealing to me some things about me. You know, and I'm faced with this reality that even after, you know, the schooling and the pastoring and the leading and the ministry that I've been a part of, I've grown and there's been some steps, absolutely, but I'm not as mature as I thought I was. I mean, not that I was thinking of myself as, you know, having reached it. I mean, I know Paul hasn't, if Paul hasn't, I haven't, I know that. But I've come to the realization as I've looked into the mirror of God's word and the obedience when it comes to the fruit is I'm not as mature as I thought I was. Because my maturity is less about my time and my leadership and it's less about me helping to plant Forward City Church. Um, but it's more about my obedience and what I've left behind. And I ask myself this question that I'm going to ask you. As we, lock, we talk about obedience and talk about um, a, a bearing fruit, moving towards maturity, I'm going to ask you the same question that I've been wrestling with in my own life. 
And in, in a lot of ways, it kind of knocked me off a bit of it. I'm not that I was like on a pedestal, but it kind of knocked me off of my own thinking. And here's the question I ask myself, I'm gonna ask it to you, is can you look back or around you and see people who are now in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? And can you see people who are maturing in Christ because of God's work in you? Can you look around and see people who are now saved in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? And can you look around and see people who are maturing in Christ because of God's work in you? See, the Lord wants all of his children to mature. But maturity comes when we make disciples who are mature and make disciples. So my question to you is the same question to me. Are you intentionally allowing God to use what he's doing in you for the life of someone else? See, God's work of love, joy, forgiveness, and peace, and hope. God's work of that in you is not meant to stay with you. If you want to know if you're maturing in Christ... Yeah, it's, 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 it's obedience, it's, it's walking away from sin, it's, it's, it's reading, it's praying. But if you want to know if you are truly maturing in Christ, look behind you. Because what God is doing in you, through the book of James, and through the rest of the New Testament, the rest of the Bible, isn't just meant for you. It's meant for others.